Maybe, I don't remember. Anyways, I do have a question for you guys today, because we just watched Tombstone for the podcast, and that is a Western film. Westerns used to be my f- least favorite genre, so I was wondering, do you guys have a movie that kind of changed your tune on a certain genre that you didn't like? Mine's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly for Westerns, Okay. because I watched that one night, and it was just unlike anything I had seen before. It, it, it made me appreciate the Western atmosphere more, just sure. because Sergio Leone was fucking a genius. And with that Ennio Morricone score in the cast, just the way it was, it's just can't be beat. I, I it, To me, it's the greatest Western of all time, but some people Fantastic might think otherwise. Western. For me, I think that I hated on musicals for such a long time, like with Les Mis, and I just hadn't seen enough musicals other than like maybe high school musical growing up. I like those, obviously. Of course, <laughs> classics. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of a mm-hmm. like the musical that changed that for me. But the first thing that comes to mind is like Moulin Rouge, because I absolutely love that movie. It was like chaotic and crazy. But I know there was another mm-hmm. musical that definitely came first. But um, I actually really love that genre now. So I like the musicals. La La Land, there was something else, though. There was definitely something else that came before that. The Greatest Showman. That was after La La Land. Oh. Yeah, Pitch Perfect, was, yeah. which isn't really, I mean, it's not really a musical, kind of. Okay. Uh, burlesque is really good. I like Burlesque. I like Christina Aguilera. <laughs> I don't really like Cher. Cher's an Oscar winner. You gotta get <laughs> oh, Cher. she was great in that movie, though. In Moonstruck. Yeah. <laughs> Never seen it, but it's on Criterion, so we gotta, we gotta pick oh. it up for Collector's Corner. But um, this isn't Collector's Corner, so we can get into the uh, actual Aww. show here. Can it be, though? Can we just do Collector's Corner? John, what were the films that won for you? Oh my goodness, thank you for asking, Spencer. Uh, I picked two sort of 80s rom-coms, recommendations from my mother when she was visiting uh, two weeks ago, but we had the both two 80s films, it was She's Having a Baby, and 1989 Say Anything ended up winning that one, so that's what we're watching for me this week. You might have to remind me, because I couldn't remember... Uh, the other film. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but the film that won? I don't think so. No. Um, but it was The River Wild from, I believe, it was 1994. Um, Kevin Bacon, Meryl Streep. The Lion in Winter versus The River Wild. That was it. Okay. Yep, The Lion mm-hmm. in Winter with uh, Catherine Hepburn, Peter O'Toole, Anthony Hopkins. Sadly, that one lost, but maybe it'll pop up again later on. That has nothing and, to do with Narnia, right? And my poll, I put up a poll for The Wind Rises, the Studio Ghibli film, up against Tombstone. And uh, anytime I put a Studio Ghibli film up in the poll, it always loses. So I could, I should probably just know that by That's now. That's too bad, but dude. Tombstone was the winner, but it was an action western that I've heard is a great time. So I've always kind of wanted to check it out. So glad that we got to do that this week. For the first film of the podcast, do you guys want to start talking about The River Wild? Are you saying you want to talk about my movie first? Damn. There were two other people that summer who did not get so lucky. One guy got killed, and the other is paralyzed for life. But don't worry, we're going to hit some threes and four pluses. You're going to scream your guts out. You'll love it. going to risk death a number of times on this trip. 
1994 film directed by Curtis Hansen. Uh, family goes on a uh, vacation together, and Rafid and the mother, rafting expert Gail, takes on a pair of armed killers while navigating a spectacularly violent river. This movie, like I said before, just kept popping up on HBO Max, and I was just always intrigued by it. And anytime I see Meryl Streep in anything, I'm intrigued to see what it is just because she's kind of one of the chameleons of being an actress she can just do anything but yeah johnny boy yeah what did uh what did you think of john c Riley's terrible beard i i rather like john c Riley in this movie i thought he was sort of a redeeming character um and you know you can't hate on john c Riley. he was in talladega nights he's a great guy shake and bake but yeah i i really knew nothing about this movie going into it other than street was in it she's in a raft uh and come to find out the kid from jurassic park is in it as well being somewhat i would say equally annoying but yeah <laughs> uh just a year later <laughs> is it well yeah it's in the 90s so i expected it to be a lot better i thought it was a little bit over dramatic I do think that there were some redeeming moments in the film that did end up making it watchable, but not the best. Not the best, River Wild. Okay, Mr. Uh, Mr. Spencer, well, your thoughts? I feel like I'm in class. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, Spencer. Raise your hand next time, you fucking I, asshole. I had never heard of this movie before. Uh, you, I hadn't heard of The Lion in the Winter either. You said both your picks. I'm like, okay, got to go to Google for this. But I saw the cast: Meryl Streep, uh, Kevin Costner, David Strathen's in it, John C. Riley, Kevin Costner, Kevin the, Bacon. Not Kevin, sorry, Kevin Bacon. I, I wish it was Kevin. That Costner. would have been a completely different movie. Completely different yeah, movie with some more stakes, <laughs> baseball um, involved. But no, I mean, I just I didn't have any expectations going in. I just kind of wanted to be entertained, and entertained I was. I thought this one was pretty fun. Like it's cheesy galore. Like it comes across like a very tame deliverance. But there are some scenes I thought were some solid tension. Like there was a specific scene where Kevin Bacon showing the kid the gun and I was like, uh this is that was a little spooky. Um and there was other moments of tension as well. It also features a like badass pompous yellow lab that takes fucking no shit Maggie. from Kevin Bacon and Maggie. Uh, John C. Riley. And I loved <laughs> yeah. it. Like the dog had a character arc. It had to rebond with the loser husband. And I'm like, why yeah. are they doing this? Like it, it would cut to like <laughs> Meryl Street like on the river and the river like, the, the rapids, it's all intense, and it cuts back to Maggie, the yellow lab, and the husband just like running around like oh it was so <laughs> ridiculous and cheesy, but it was still like a fun time. I yeah. thought it was a little, uh, little predictable for one of these '90s sure. dramatic adventure films. Um, like you said, when they had to reunite the dog and the dad, I knew that beat when it was coming because he just gets out of the water, and I'm like, "This shot's holding for way too long." I bet the dog's <laughs> gonna come into play, and then she jumps right on his back, and I was oh. like. Oh my god! Like you can see everything coming a mile away, but it's I I enjoyed it. I had so much fun the entire time, just because it didn't really slow down. Like there were a couple dull moments on the water, but everything else just moved at a really quick pace for me. I will say it was it was definitely a very tension filled movie. I think especially when uh, that uh, was it like a park ranger type dude on the in the mm -hmm. canoe kept coming by yeah, and right. they were yep. johnny yeah it was and it was like someone meryl streep knew from her past and i thought that was actually kind of funny where it's like just like some guy she dated somehow came up next to her ex-husband but um but i think the film ends up being pretty over dramatic i think from like the opening sequence of her rowing like the music is just blaring just like like 
just so unnecessarily like in in that scene and three or four times throughout the movie it's just like this super insanely overdramatic music for she's just rolling a boat like definitely added like an extra element of like fun for me because it was a score from jerry goldsmith he is the iconic composer of the 80s like every single insane iconic action movie is from jerry goldsmith the movie does have the most over-the-top elements like one with the score uh two like the river rapid scenes like when she's going down the main thing like it's like a 15 minute sequence and it's really repetitive Mm -hmm. at times but i think the score added that element of fun that I had with it that it could have lost if it was just kind of bland and slow. But it like that's the thing. I agree with Nate that it wasn't slow, but it also didn't really need to be borderline two hours. Like I thought that it could have been treated yeah. up just a little bit. Could have been maybe a little tighter and uh yeah, less predictable for sure. You could definitely mm-hmm. see every single beat happening. It did have the 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 whole storyline with the father Usually in some movies, I wouldn't like it that they just kind of have the dad in there for to try and reconnect kind of thing. But I thought they did it in a really smart way that they made him seem like the bad guy going into it. Initially, yeah, and you the fact like that, him. yeah, and then the fact that he came on this trip is the reason that they survive. They go and out of his like, way to give him an arc for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and it made, it made me actually like him though, because I was like, oh, he's, hanging off the side of the cliff he's like trying trying to be a good dad even though he's been like bitching and crabbing this whole time while he's doing his little drawings it is the basic sort of uh the basic character arc with the dad who's sort of being uh standoffish and he worries about work all the time like that's in every 90s movie but i actually really like the the character arc that they do with him with the dog. I thought that was by far the most entertaining part of the movie. Even <laughs> so outside fun. of just like the rafting stuff with Kevin Bacon, who I thought he was just, he was Kevin Bacon, but just playing super over the top. Yes. Again, it's the nineties, but I just couldn't take him seriously. I just, I, he was not very menacing to me at all. He had a little pistol, but she hit him with the oar like six or seven times. He, he like, <laughs> like she could have, she took him out so many times and he just kept climbing back in the fucking boat. Like this guy is nothing. He you know, absolutely was, awesome. was not intimidated at all, and it's actually pretty funny because he slaps every character in the face besides Meryl Streep. <laughs> every character though gets a slap in the face from Kevin Bacon. That's the worst. That he kid does. deserved the a kid. fucking slap though. That kid. Maybe yeah. it's a uh, searching for Bobby Fisher vibes. I'm getting, but I you just I'm don't thinking, like child actors. I just know that about you. <laughs> you have a hard time with child actors. <laughs> I really try, but they they just they always fail to meet my expectations. But like as because... an actor though, I mean, he was he's a great child actor i mean he was in jurassic park and um this movie he obviously is. he does great i mean he's acting with these legends um and he's holding it, his own but yeah i mean his characters are always like whiny and annoying but that's what they need it I wasn't guess. the acting it was the decisions the character made and yeah. a lot of the time when like the parents were like okay we gotta go like and i remember my I'm parents would do this to friends. me Bye. yeah i was like are you kidding me you little i forget his name but uh like yeah. listen to your parents like if you can learn was, a lesson uh... in this movie listen to your parents yes <laughs> seriously that's all work yeah the Rourke, son's yeah. name was rourke like mm-hmm. a really weird name but that name by the way it... It was cool seeing Meryl Streep in something that wasn't just kind of a straightforward dramatic role. Like, For I'm sure. sure she actually had to go do rafting training and stuff to do some she of this stuff. She did all of her own stunts. Yep. 
Are you serious? And, oh, yeah. She almost died. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of the camera work is commendable Jeez. too, just because it might have been repetitive as far as like the water goes, but some of the like cinematics of the class five, class class six, if that's a thing, rapids, it looks fun, but I'm sure once you're on it, you're like, yeah, not a chance. Have you guys and done that before? Because I, I have been whitewater rafting in Montana. Like not I mean, they were in Montana when they were shooting this, but um yeah, no, oh, it's wow. fun. It's definitely not as extreme as what they were doing here, but it's um, it's definitely intense. And yeah, it's a I'm sure it can were be, legit. though. Like they were because they There's were like God, yeah. leading up to it the entire time. Like this is going to be like we will die doing this. Like I'm not going to go through this, but those those were no joke. You know what I mean? For sure. So, yeah, I definitely want to do it this summer because I've done skydiving up here and I definitely want to do holy hell at dude. least one rafting trip. The whole the whole thing with the sign language was really smart. I thought that they added that little bit into it just so that the father's like, oh, I can do this and they'll know what it means. But the bad guys won't. So yeah. it did have little things in there that made it like made that. it pretty smart. I wish they did the sign mm -hmm. language more because they they do it in the beginning with the with the grandfather. But they only mm -hmm. they only uh, utilized that strategy one time toward the end. They could have done some other kind of it sneaky was... stuff with it. There was a um, scene, uh, she was trying to communicate to the son at one point, and then Kevin Bacon's like, hey, what are you saying? Don't do that. Like, there was one moment like that. That was um, the only thing I remember, because yeah. the dad didn't look like he was doing sign language. He was just imitating what would a, a Swiss Army knife do. I look, that's what it looked like to oh, me, Oh, no, he's, he uh, signed a message uh, on the on the wood. So oh, okay. Well, that's there, not sign language, like, but... Hold on or something. Yeah, it was like, it was some sort of... Well, like, it, it's uh, written symbol. out, kind of. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was All like right, a hand symbol. My bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was smart. There, were, especially to the end of the movie, like the dad was all of a sudden turned into this like total outdoorsman, you know. And, and he I, was great. And all <laughs> of his exposition was just him talking with Maggie, the dog. Like all Love of his, that. All right, Maggie, mm -hmm. we gotta do this. We gotta put this together, Maggie. All right, Maggie, we're gonna do Maggie. We're, Maggie, we gotta. The, see, the scenes <laughs> okay. were like when Meryl Streep was still there, and he would be like, "Maggie, get off the get off the quilt," and then she wouldn't do it, and then Meryl Streep would be like, "Maggie, get off." She'd be like, "All right, woof," and then. <laughs> That was they like jump off funny, the, yeah, the plate. jump off the cliff into the water, and the dog finally does. And best he goes, of the Maggie, that's right the there. first time you've ever minded me. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like you're best friends now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, John, you want to give uh, your final thoughts on the River Wild? Um, after talking about it with you guys, I think I can appreciate it a little bit, a little bit more. I may have been, I might have been a little bit too harsh uh, on the film at first, but it is a very fun 90s film knowing it's one of nate's picks i usually expect something that's like there's going to be an ulterior meeting i need to think about this one and stuff like this but it's a fun 90s film with meryl streep uh <laughs> it has the kid from jurassic park i have something against child actors but it really was the character itself that held it back all the rafting stuff really well done like that was like the ten tension filled it was shot very well and it was actually pretty intense especially toward the end but i think the story around it it's a little campy it's a little cheesy um, but like you will have a lot of fun watching this movie. I think cut out half an hour, you know, it's a little repetitive at times, but it's solid. So I'm going to go three out of five. I think it's definitely watchable. Um, but I probably wouldn't check it out again without a few beers in my hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, I Understood. actually completely agree with you. Cause yeah, I thought the river yeah. wild <laughs> it's cheesy. It's silly. It's very cliche and predictable, but like, it's, it's definitely a fun time. And it features a very, you know, delightful performance from Meryl Streep. And you get to see her do some more action stuff, less like hardcore drama. And it's kind of cool knowing that she did all of her own stunts and, um, and whatnot. That brings it up movie. a lot for me right there. 
That's and, crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there was some repetitive sure. stuff, some scenes that kind of dragged out. Like, there was one scene, uh, it was like, they were celebrating his birthday at night, and it was, I don't know, it was like a five or ten minute sequence. That it was, was weird. It wasn't really <laughs> necessary, but, oh well. I, st- I love the low-key banner score from Jerry Goldsmith. Um, it's a little long, but yeah, I mean, I had a fun time with it. I'm going to go by very solid, very solid three out of five as well. Like, this is, I'd nice. recommend it. It's fun. Yeah, this was my pick, and I just, I had a lot of fun. It definitely cheese there's something about a 90s film that just makes it really easy to watch it's just really laid back um the music was fantastic it's just nice seeing meryl streep do something different any th- type of sport like whether it be an outdoor sport a athletic sports or whatever it doesn't matter it, it's always entertaining and when they add in like the killer aspect it adds a little bit of tension that it needed so i'm going based off how i felt when i first watched it because it kind of sticks i'm giving it a four out of five just because of how much fun i had with it what can you do sometimes you just need a little a little cheese to get you through and I, I enjoyed this one. I thought it was fun. It's unexpectedly a good time. Like I had literally never yeah. heard of this movie, but no, it was it was fun. Um Doubt but it. yeah, why don't we get right into say anything? It's from nineteen eighty nine. Diane Court. Diane Court doesn't go out, she's a brain. Trapped in the body of a game show hostess. We don't want to see you get hurt. I wanna get hurt. Diane Court. Hello, Diane? Hi, Lloyd Dobler, sir. I'm an athlete, so I rarely drink. Kickboxing. You heard of kickboxing? Sport of the future? I can see by your Directed by Cameron Crowe, a budding romance between noble underachiever Lloyd Dobler and high school valedictorian Diane Court is threatened when Diane's overly possessive, disapproving father interferes with their relationship. With a prize scholarship to study abroad hanging in the balance, Diane must find a way to make both men happy. Dude, this movie's always been on my radar from that iconic poster that of John Cusack just holding a radio over his head or a boombox, which people don't do that anymore, do they? They really don't. What is Nate <laughs> holding his iPhone over his head? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I just really wanted to cross another film off the filmography for Cameron Crowe. You know, he's one of my favorite directors. Um, no, that's not true. But Nate, say anything. You've never seen this film before. That's what this podcast is all about. Um, what did you think of Say Anything, 1989 Cameron Crowe, John Cusack? Well, first of all, I want to know if you can name any other Cameron Crowe movies. Aloha. Say Anything was one of those unexpected little gems that just hit me. I was like, oh yeah, this is my movie. Like, it's, it's right up there with those 80s coming of age movies that just, there's something about them. There's just a relatability that just makes it so easy to watch and having i haven't seen a lot of john uh john cusack movies he does really good in this i think like he shows a lot of good emotion especially towards the end that looked very real very raw but it was just it was nice seeing he it gave me hope john cusack and say anything gave me hope I'll, I'll say that right there. <laughs> that's it. That's a pretty darn big positive right there. Uh, I totally resonate with you, Nate, because like these, I think this is the type of film that you and I can usually agree on. That coming to age, just like dramedy type thing. It's so goddamn relatable. But uh, what about you, Spencer? What did you think of Say Anything? Probably the most iconic romantic comedies that I've just have never seen. I've you know that iconic boombox scene. Yeah. I was. I, I. I don't know. When I finally saw it in this movie, though. It was. It wasn't as. 
lived up. The scene to itself is kind of just like an in between type thing. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it was. It, yeah, it still worked for what I had to do. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I just <laughs> love John Cusack's character in this movie. Just how like nervous, fast talking he'd be. Like he's so charming. Just see how much he just loves this girl for no reason. So that was always just so much fun to watch. And yeah, this movie just it's iconic. It's funny. Like, I literally was laughing yeah. out loud several times. Like, it, it also goes for that, like, cringe <laughs> humor where you're like, it wants you to be so uncomfortable, but like, uh. you just can't help but laugh at times. Like, I mean, there were several scenes of, like, one of like, the graduation speech. But her, yeah. her dad's, like, the <laughs> only one who she has to, like, play it off with at first, and he's the yeah. only one that laughs in the audience. <laughs> and then it's just, like, some of the quick humor. Like, it, it's so it random, was, but yeah. it's funny. Like, uh, he's like, oh my god that girl like look at her eyes i want a picture with her and then he like just like photobombs like randomly with her like it's yeah. like, what <laughs> but it was funny yeah i think this film is just it, it reminds you of simpler times because especially in terms of uh john cusack's motives in this movie and he said it time and time again throughout the movie it's like people are like oh what do you want for a career he's like i don't know i just want to hang out with your daughter right now and i'm just like yeah Dude, I get that. Like, I totally, I resonate with that kind of outlook on life where it's like, I just want to do this. Why do I have to think yeah. about the future? This is, I, and then when he finally mm -hmm. comes up with what he really wants to do, I'm just like, I love that. You know what I mean? I love that you just want to follow her and be with her. That's, that's awesome. Or he wants to kickbox. Yeah. It's like, dude. Yeah. Like, it's an up and coming you, man. sport. Like, why do you have to be like, I don't want to like, I like, why do you have to be a lawyer or something? Just enjoy what you're doing with life. And, but his answer was like so perfect and genuine. It's just like, well, so I'm like, frankly, I don't really know, but like, I don't think I'm going to figure it out tonight either. <laughs> yeah. It's like, just yeah. Like, fuck off. Yeah. I'm going to hang out with your daughter. Let's get through this dinner, yeah. please. Um, like if I ever have a daughter and that's what the boy says, just like, I just want to get to know your daughter. I'd be like, you're the guy. Yeah, Go on ahead. Like have, have her home by 3 a.m. Like <laughs> apparently parents are okay with in this movie. Yeah, I'll see you at dawn. My dad would well, that kick was weird. my ass if I wasn't in by 11. <laughs> Wasn't that weird, though? At, the, at least when uh, when he initially took her out. Because I remember him being like, yeah, have her home by 10. And then they got home in the morning. Seeing the the friendship bloom into a relationship felt really natural. Because you start off with them going to this party. And even in their conversation, she's like, Lloyd Dobler. Who? <laughs> <laughs> but as the night goes on, you see her looking at him and catching him looking at her and being like, oh, see, he's checking up on me. He just kind of looks and waves and just goes away. But you just see her slowly become infatuated with him. Yeah. And just the whole scene where he just says, oh, watch out for that broken glass. That so meant so much to her. Yeah. It like, but it was so warm. It, it, it was reassuring that even though it's a movie, that there was a character that was good genuinely good genuine that's that's Sorry, like the best everyone word <laughs> about this movie is that it just feels yeah. so genuine like from the performances from the writing and directing it, everything just seems very genuine like i love that he was also like the key master like he had to hold all the keys so all the kids could drink and not have to drive home drunk and then all of a sudden uh, he just gets tackled out of nowhere at the very end he's like give me my keys he's like no no <laughs> i love you it's like what <laughs> there were so that's many happened just, just randomly funny moment yeah that had let's all right let me that's another that's for another podcast maybe a live show nate this film it seems like everything comes so naturally to these characters they do get in a relationship quickly but it doesn't seem like it's forced like they have this slow sort of friendship and john cusack is just so genuine with her and willing to just 
do whatever as long as he's with this girl. There's so many scenes surrounded by the Peter Gabriel song that is just so goddamn oh God. iconic for this time and for this film. I love that, dude. Like, that's not what they were doing. They weren't doing this little Spencer's jig. Um, but it's, that song is just like, it brings you back to that time and that, that age where these kids just like, that's all they care about is just like, you know, let's fall in love before we go off to college or whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I and it. I got to be honest because I do have a gripe with this movie. And is it Joan Cusack? It's not Joan Cusack. It has nothing to do with uh, the performances. In fact, we haven't even mentioned the father, um, John Mahoney. Huge role in this movie. Great performance. Um, but yeah. the whole subplot with person. the father and the whole like tax fraud. or No, no, he was stealing money from the elderly people. That whole yeah. subplot, it just seemed a little tacked on. Like it was a little unnecessary. And like this, like all of her daddy issues got very uncomfortable. But you know, it makes I get sense it for her character though. Yeah. Just just because she's the valedictorian her entire life, her mom's out of the picture. She doesn't have a lot of friends until the the day of graduation. And like her entire life was like getting into colleges, getting scholarships and stuff. And then she has no one else to talk to but her dad. And then John Cusack comes into her life, and because of this whole subplot with her dad, he kind of takes over. So I understand how you think it's it is weird because there were some uncomfortable scenes, one hundred percent. But it makes sense in the context of her character, I guess. I don't think that those were tacked on. Like it, it did end up making yeah. sense. No, I just, I don't know. I just, it was unexpected. Like they were having the dinner, and like the movie it was like halfway through when it was just it was very charming, and then all of a sudden the detectives show up, and they're like, "Oh, uh, we think that you like stole money," and I was like, "Oh, they're gonna go a different direction," and. They ultimately do, and they have a breakup, and it gets very like o- like over the top dramatic. It also added that like kind of hilariosity to it, like when he's recording the tapes and he's driving down. Like some mm-hmm. of the stuff that he was saying was actually fucking hilarious, and he goes and meets with the guys. I love and, like, that go, scene with yeah, Jeremy Piven. Like we're just choosing to be here. Like, like this is here, we're here by choice. He's like, this is a- that was a mistake. <laughs> he's driving away. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Because you see those character moments with just him, and you're like, all right, yeah, I like this guy even more now, you know? Sure. One of those movies that's just, it was so sweet, but one of the scenes that got me didn't have any dialogue. It was just John Cusack driving down the road with tears going down his eyes. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, holy crap, this guy is still trying to be strong, but he's breaking. And he's trying really hard not to crack because he's solid through this entire movie just his awkwardness his little stutters when he first calls her at the beginning i have a hard time watching that stuff (laughs) because she's like oh hi yeah today was great you know oh i'm busy it's just like oh come on it's agony but when he finally succeeds yes Yes, our our hero has done it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the peasant taking out the queen kind of thing. And it just, like I said earlier, it gives us all a little bit of hope that if you just make that step, you never know who could come into your life. And it was kind of reassuring that way. I think all of us could kind of see ourselves in his role because she isn't like, like she's gorgeous and I love her character. She's so endearing and just like there's innocence about her, but she's like a really smart person as well, obviously. But she's not like the the cheerleader or the high school sweetheart type girl. Like he is just he sees her throughout. He alludes to he's like she's so mysterious because she's so obsessed with school, but no one really knows anything about her. But she seems attainable. You know what I mean? And I just think that that I just I just love the relationship between them. I really do. 
So mm-hmm. You can see why it's, it's held up as like one of the most iconic romantic movies, I think, because, yeah, their chemistry was great. His performance, John Cusack's performance was great. I thought that Ian Syke, uh, the girl that did play Diane, I, when she got to the dramatic stuff, it felt a little wooden. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean, regardless, her character was still so charming and um, endearing. So I still I, I kind of just overlook it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I looked her. up. She has, they, they fit. Yeah, exactly. She fits. I mean, she hasn't really been in too much other stuff. Um, this was definitely her biggest mm-hmm. role. Um, but I'll just. I always thought it f- was when I, I was sorry. I was. I always thought it was Winona Ryder in this movie, and then I looked at the cast list, and it was this other girl. So that was until today where I realized it's not Winona Ryder for some reason. In the middle of the movie, I'm like she looks so familiar, and I couldn't place it. But she was one of the friends in Fever Pitch of like Drew Barrymore's. And I was like, oh, oh really? Now that's I see a big it. movie for you. I know. <laughs> she's like it was yeah. a small role that she had but i'm like that's yeah. how i know she's um but no yeah final thoughts i am very happy that i've finally seen say anything this is one of those movies where i could see myself rewatching and probably appreciating it even more so john Cusack like, gives a great performance he's so charming and endearing and cameron crow i mean i think this is one of his first movies and he's been on the scene for a while creating these great romantic movies um that we've come to you know really enjoy so I'm going to give this one a four out of five. I think this is a great film. Nate over there. What about you? Um, this one is going right up there with the the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the Breakfast Clubs, the Almost Famous, which is also Cameron Crowe. It's just one of those movies that you can just put on and just all these kind of stereotypical characters, but they're just the perfect people are playing them. So it just works. And kind of funny having John and Joan Cusack be brother and sister in the movie Mm -hmm. as well. He's living with his sister. Their parents are in another country, so they kind of have to fend for themselves. So he's essentially alone as well. And she only has her uh, father. (laughs) So they kind of, they're cut from the same cloth in a weird way. Um, But I just had, a great time with this one so this one's gonna be a high one i'm giving it a four and a half out of five i think it holds up as one of those great coming of age movies that's just timeless in pop culture awesome i'm glad to hear it because i think that this film is just one that i've always wanted to see it has again the iconic poster it's from the 80s i've we've watched you know the breakfast club lately there's a lot of other 80s films that i've yet to see that fall into the genre that i know and love which is sort of the coming to age uh, dramedy type situations but i think this one totally ex- exceeded expectations i love the connection between these two characters it comes so naturally the chemistry is amazing um and it's unconventional it's not really what you'd expect from sort of a technically a, a like a paint by numbers sort of coming to age film it's great it's such an endearing story that i can't wait to go back and revisit borderline probably love this movie so I think I'm going to go four and a half out of five as well. I uh, I really enjoyed it. I think there's just so many iconic scenes that even more than the boombox scene. And then the one where she's just learning to drive. That's another one that I thought was just so adorable when she can't figure out mm-hmm. the clutch. And that it's just there's so many just little scenes like that that sort of bring you back, you know. So it's good stuff. Let's say anything. What about uh, I do believe we have one more film and that is Spencer's movie this week. Oh, shit. Yep. Uh, this is quite the different movie that we're going to be talking about today or tonight. We'll the last one. Sure. Probably, the, probably the manliest movie we've oh, ever talked my about God, on this podcast. Testosterone levels are <laughs> through the roof. But yes, no, we are going to talk about Tombstone from 1993. Hollywood Pictures presents. The only real law around here is the Cowboys. The story 
of Wyatt Earp. The first time in our lives we got a chance to stop wandering and finally be a family. Now this is trouble we don't need. We're gonna have a future in this town. It's gotta have some law and order. What do you want, Ringo? I want your blood. I want your soul. This is a Western film with an all-star cast. I mean, Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, and even some more people like Billy Bob Thornton's in it, uh, Michael Bean. Mustaches galore. Holy mustache shit. and mm. costume galore. This is the definitive Western. I, mean, I remember looking at the DVD cover of this movie and being like, someday I will watch this. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's taken me this long, them. but I'm glad that we have finally get to watch <laughs> it and talk about it for the podcast. But for those of you who don't know what Tombstone is... Uh, a successful lawman's plan to retire anonymously in Tombstone, Arizona, are disrupted by the kind of outlaws he was famous for eliminating. So, Nathan, Tombstone, going yeah. into this, oh. what were your first initial thoughts on this western? You just called me Nathan. I throw it in there. Yeah, but it's more—it's more of a, uh, a, a uh, you know, a formal setting. So I think it's warranted, don't you think? Yeah, just it, it, it like hit me in the face. Yeah, Tombstone is now one of my favorite lines ever in any movie is Val Kilmer as um, Doc Holliday going, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> yes, he says it so like twice in the film too. It's always like in the shadow scene, he just comes right up. I'm your Huckleberry. Oh my, and... <laughs> I think it goes good, the bad, and the ugly, and then tombstone Whoa. like right under it. <laughs> like shit. that's high praise. That's I had, sure. I had, I had fun. This one, just the characters, just Kurt Russell is Wyatt Earp. You just you he you look at him and you don't at first, at least to me, he didn't look super intimidating until he had that scene in uh, the Oriental with Billy Bob Thornton. And he, like, grabs him and slaps him. I'm just like, oh, God, this is the Wyatt Earp. Because as far as that point in the movie, he's been a relatively docile person. And then you kind of see where his reputation comes from. But just characters that just so outlandish characters that can only fit in a cinematic world. And I can only imagine what they were like in real life. Well, the All first right. time you see Kurt oh, Russell, he literally slaps a man in the face with, like, a rope because he hits his horse in the face. So I feel like you're introduced to his persona fairly quick where he doesn't take any shit from anybody. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Tombstone, it's always, it's for me, always been on the list. And I think that this one finally sort of puts it in stone to the fact that I think I like Westerns now because they are so goddamn entertaining. They might do the same thing relatively over and over again. They take place in a little town. There's the obvious bad guys and the good guys, and they have the the pistol fights and stuff like that. But they're so entertaining, and these characters were fucking awesome and badass, and the mustaches were absolutely out of control. I love seeing Sam Elliott, who oh, I think the last thing I saw him yeah. in was obviously, probably A Star is Born, which it's just like he's so badass. His voice is iconic, and the, the mustaches, guys, like... I, if I could, do you the think that was real? The best mustaches I've ever seen on film. Just like, 100%. Uh, like yeah, they're um, all real. Uh, too. The fullest, all of them are real. Imagine the upkeep for a mustache like that. Can. Even and especially in the times in the 1800s, where like it's hard to come by anything like that. But damn, it was cinematography, yeah. score. I do think it, it got a little repetitive, a little bit. 
I think the movie it it for me it seemed a little bit clunky from scene to scene, but it was so entertaining and I really really enjoyed myself overall. Um I am seeing both of your praises. This movie was just so much fucking fun. I've actually watched it twice <laughs> in the past two weeks. No shit. Wow. Uh, I yeah. had such a fun time with it. I rewatched it because I, when I first looked up Tombstone, two versions popped up for me on the Roku. One was a director's cut. One was a regular edition. I watched the regular edition and then I was like, all right, one night I was really bored. I put on the director's cut. It was, it just was like an extra nine minutes, but the movie was so mm. unexpectedly violent. Like I didn't expect the movie to go mm-hmm. to some places where it does. And also, I went through a deep dive because this is all a fucking true story. I mean, sure, there's some cinematic yeah. liberties that they did really? in the film. But yeah, I mean, the whole mm-hmm. uh, I, okay. shootout, the whole like thing that happened in Tombstone down to the same At character the okay names. Corral, like, yeah. was a real person, which I think is just fucking awesome. That's insane. Um, he, so, so he was cool. a real yeah. U, like ex-U.S. Marshal. Yeah, and him and, and Doc Holliday became yeah. best friends after Doc Holliday saved him. Um, and also, what? the whole mythology, or well, not mythology, but the whole like thing about Wyatt Earp is that he was never touched by a bullet. And there's even that one scene in this film where like he didn't know what to do. They were like pinned down. They were surrounded by guns. And he's like, fuck, he stands up and just shoots everybody and doesn't get touched once with yeah. a bullet. And everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? And like, even after the scene, they're like... Are we gonna talk about what just happened? And Kurt Russell's just yeah. like standing out by a river. Like, like it That's was so crazy, fucking badass. dude. Yeah, he's sitting there washing his hair, and they're like, "Are we like with the baddest man on the planet right now? Like, we're set. It's, we're totally set." Yeah. It's crazy because with movies like this, it seems so staged because of just the setting of the movie. It's in this little western town. It seems like that's just like the quintessential Hollywood set from back in the day, but like. This sure. type of situation did take place a lot, and you think that I I personally forget that, but this like America was like this at one point, which is kind of crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I had no idea that mm-hmm. was a true story. I thought this was completely made up, but that had, oh, yeah. adds so much to this movie because it does seem like it does seem unconventional for a Western film. Because usually you're following the outlaws, but in this case, you're following these you know ex U.S. marshals that are trying to make money in a different way and sort of hustle people and stuff. And then they run into these like total fucking asshole cowboys, which is their, the name of their gang. Yeah. Yeah. They were the most despicable human beings from the very open, the opening scene of the film where they shoot this guy at his wedding day. I was like, Fuck this yeah, guy. That was like, <laughs> you hate this you guy me- from the very you beginning. You mentioned the <laughs> opening scene, like the very opening scene with, with the yeah, narration yeah, yeah. and some old background um, or some old footage and stuff. And the, he was like, yeah, like the first organized crime formed. They called themselves the Cowboys. Cut to the fucking theme and it's just like the Cowboys riding in sunset. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in. <laughs> this movie's just <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Quickly, I, I forgot yeah. about very that. Yeah, now, and that now that you mention it. And then yeah, it goes to that scene yeah. with them. And I've always seen um, Michael Bean pop up in these movies but he's finally able to like have some meat here whether i've seen from his performances he's terrifying as like the villain oh ringo his name was ringo um yeah he, i was gonna say he's the one opposite doc holiday's character yeah. kind of yep. yeah yeah okay he was by far the most menacing the standoff at the very end yeah. of doc holiday and ringo that was one of the most like brutal deaths i've probably seen on a film like it was just he gets shot in the head and just like stumbles for a minute like oh like that's just can you imagine getting a bullet through the brain and then just having a few seconds where you're just like so dazed and confused like what in the hell just happened to me i was genuinely nervous because the entire movie 
Like Doc Holliday is one of my favorite characters ever now. Like he was just that he's awesome. That sly badass that just doesn't have to say much. And like it makes me want to get I'm your Huckleberry tattooed on me somewhere. <laughs> just because That's cool. Like it, it was so tense and it was so honest too because when uh Kurt Russell goes up to him and goes, I can't win, can I? And he's like, Nope. You can't. And you're sitting there like, oh, God, well, can anyone? And then you kind of see how it plays out. But I was like, he's so sick. He's not going to be able to handle this. And I was kind of curious about that the entire time. I'm like, he does not look good. And then once they introduce that into the story, it made sense. But these characters are just so iconic. Like, Spencer, you mentioned seeing the movie cover. I can see the same cover. Like, this is one of those movies that my dad always talked about, and he was always saying, oh, yeah, you got to watch Tombstone with Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday at the OK Corral. And I never knew what that meant until you see this iconic fight. Little uh, hidden cameo by from Stephen Lang. You know, the guy from Don't Breathe. Yep, he was the bearded guy who kept getting, like, bullied and drunk and stuff like that. Unrecognizable, though. Kept saying he'll get his revenge. I that up um, on the credits, and then on the rewatch, I noticed it, yeah. Um, With a little Billy Zane, too. Yeah, that sheriff slash actor. who gets shot. (laughs) But had such iconic scenes, and like you said, it was super brutal. But overall, it was just a blast. I just had fun. Like, you see Sam Elliott and... Um, Bill Paxton's character is like, well, we we made ourselves a part of this, so they both show their badges and wider. It's like, oh come on, really? Like we didn't come here to do this. Yeah. And so you see their division there too, and it makes for some heartbreaking shootouts. I will say that. I think the masculinity is just so high in this movie. I think one of my favorite scenes is before. It's not even a shootout. It's when. I don't know which character it was. You've said a lot of actors' names. I didn't realize it was them in this film. But the one who ends up getting really sick, and it's the girl. Uh, he has the girl with him. It was probably Val Kimmler, but that initial hustle yeah. in that poker game was so badass, dude. Where he just hustles the guy, takes oh, all yeah. his money, and I just... That scene was just... As he leaves, as he, he leaves. takes the giant stacks, just like... It's like, I'm out of here, all bro. All right. Yeah. Good and day. I, oh, man. Leaves. Just, Val just incredible, man. Was by far my favorite aspect of this film, and that, I mean, same. Despite how amazing and badass Kurt Russell was, I still think Val Kilmer just with the one-liners, like apparently all of the quick draws that he does, and like the stuff with the gun is real. Like he practiced like so hard to get that right, and then yeah, just just his mustache and his character was just so entertaining. I wish we saw more Sam Elliott personally. I wish we saw, yeah. but like the cast is so strong all around that it's like you can't fit them all in there, I guess, because Kurt Russell and obviously Val Kilmer are like the main leads, and Sam Elliott is kind of in there. He gets fucked over with the amputation. Goddamn, that reminds because it's very true to the time as well, you know, where there's no medicine, and if you get an infection, your arm's fucking gone. So, and that's another aspect of the film that's pretty brutal to watch. When they're trying to get the bullet out of his yeah. back at the end, fuck, dude. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, one of my. F- Oh, what was the scene? God, now I'm drawing a blank. While you think of it, though. Yeah, I don't know where. There were some scenes that I thought was pretty hilarious. Uh, 
Like it kind of seemed like it was a scene meant for like the promo of like the trailer or something or the poster because they were walking down the road like together like and it was so yeah. badass and like there were some scenes where mm-hmm. there was uh, the final shootout in the third act not the final but in the third act when there's like a montage of them just hunting down all the fucking cowboys like there's a scene with Kurt Russell yeah. just walking in a field by himself like towards the camera just shooting at the camera I'm like why is that scene in the movie but it was so <laughs> awesome. That's another part of the movie that it seemed like these guys must have had a fucking hell of a time on this set making this movie. It's like, I I don't I don't know if Kurt Russell. Drama. Oh well, okay. Drama. I have it. I mean, it's so yeah. Talk, the, talk about the it. Writer, like the it. writer of the film, his name was Kevin Jar, uh, or something like that. He this was supposed to be his directorial debut. Uh, as they were shooting, they got a month in. He was just very overwhelmed by just you know the cast, the budget, um, the job itself. He was uh, over budget. He was behind schedule. So they fired him and they brought in a ghost director and that was the who got credited george um george p cosmatas or Cosmos, yeah something um, like that yeah um, who had done like a, i think a rambo movie and stuff like that action guy but mm-hmm. essentially all that he was there to do was to be in charge of the historical elements make sure the costumes looked legit the set the scenery uh the mustaches were like precise <laughs> that was really his job <laughs> kurt russell was the pretty much director of the film but he didn't want to be credited as the director because he didn't want to be known for directing films so he uncredited basically directed the majority of this film val kilmer also backed him up in a later interview it was like yeah no i mean kurt russell did the majority of the work and i mean if that's the case yeah there's definitely some clunky moments uh where i could see some of that stuff kind of colliding a little bit <sighs> oh fuck christ this is we gotta oh my god so Kurt right. Russell directed the movie. Kurt Russell basically directed the majority <laughs> of the film. And okay, um, cool. I mean, I, I, if that was the case, I think he did a great fucking job because it was so much fun. Yeah, I'll it was my, a blast. Uh, it's oh. well, can I say that I remember the scene that yes, was like one please. of my favorites yeah. um, when they finally get the Oriental kind of up and going. Everyone's showing up again, all the big wigs and stuff that they were talking about, and then they have Ringo and the guy in the red shirt with the mustache the kind of big talker and then they're sitting down at the table and Ringo does all the stuff with his gun he's flipping it flipping it flipping it doing all this cool stuff and then Val Kilmer stands up and I don't remember yeah he had like a shot glass or something and he's just going like that was awesome and then like like four or five people just kind of laugh and they're clapping and stuff I was just like only Val Kilmer can like follow up that and get a better reaction out of me because I was like, oh, cool, this guy's a badass. He can flip a gun. But the comedic timing where his character could just do that, I was like, yeah, you do. You just cemented into like one of my favorite characters ever. And yeah. it helped because he was obviously shit-faced. could also be one of the best. <laughs> yeah. And could yeah, also no. be one of the best <laughs> Westerns as far as enjoyment and um, historical significance just with the fact that this actually happened yeah <laughs> i just see the run tomato consensus i haven't seen this before if you're seeking a stylish modern western with a solid story and a well-chosen ensemble cast tombstone is your huckleberry wow amazing yeah <laughs> uh, yeah oh i think God, if you just if, if you love mustaches uh, if you love like the main three in this movie val kilmer sam elliott kurt russell like I love all these guys. I've seen Kurt Russell in when he's older and like uh, Hateful Eight and stuff. He's awesome. It's, it's like he's re- revitalizing a role like this. And I love to see him in a younger performance, just completely embodying this character because it's 
it's so badass. The masculinity is out of control. The mustaches are just it's it's insane. So it, it really was a lot of fun. I think I really do want to check out a lot of other westerns because this is like what 1993. Like it's not even really that old on a grand scheme of western films. But it's mm-hmm. it's so vastly entertaining. The shootouts are awesome. It is bloodier than you would have expected, and that definitely did take me by surprise and made it even more badass. Cinematography score all also were very 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 well done. So yeah, hell of a good time. I'm glad we finally got to check this out. I'm gonna go four out of five. Very uh, very fun Western movie. Four out of five. That's a solid yeah. grade. Nate, what about you? Yeah, I had a blast. It was just just some of the... It's just the characters. Like, sometimes you just watch a movie and the characters just kind of keep you... Not that the story didn't keep me involved, but these characters were just so unique and... I thought likable, um, even though they did some despicable things. But just the way they handled it and the town of Tombstone just felt like town would feel like in the Old West back in those times. Um, And it made it feel real authentic. And seeing the actual shootout at the OK Corral was awesome. I I just can't get enough of I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. (laughs) Because the guy's like, oh, Kurt Russell, you want to fight? Oh, who's going to fight me? And then he just comes out of the shadows, like, picking his teeth or something with a toothpick. Just like, I'll be a huckleberry. I'm just like, (laughs) I don't know if he's, like, challenging him or flirting with him. But it was such a disturbing approach to, like, play a mind game with him. But awesome, awesome Western. I originally gave it a four and a half out of five. Oh, boy. Here we go. This is it. Whoa. You know what? I'm going to do it. Five out of five. This is one of those. It just worked. It was just one of those movies you hear about. And when you finally see it, it lives up to it and then exceeds your expectations. And it's one that I could put on right now and I could get have just as much fun, find just as much enjoyment. And it's up there as one of the greatest Westerns. And we've watched a lot through this podcast. So it's been nice kind of opening that up a little bit and kind of delving into a different world now and then. That I will take it because I dragged you guys through the mud last week or last sorry two weeks ago oh last episode God. for Margaret and I'm happy that we can <laughs> finally be all very positive on one of my picks because yeah this movie Tombstone mm-hmm. was just an unexpected fun time and I, in fact I've watched it twice since and I had an equal amount of fun the second time there are some things that kind of bug me like some of the cheesy dialogue like oh he's a tall glass of water I like to drink I'm like what the fuck where did that line yeah. come from but just something still it's I again mean, the masculinity man or, yeah. or you know yeah it's, it's in still there. A, a totally fun time and i'm gonna go four and a half out of five uh this movie is fantastic and if you have not seen tombstone like us go and watch it right now it's on amazon prime it's also the director's cut is on the roku channel it's an hd no ad so you can go and watch that if you have a roku um highly recommend it's it's a damn fun time and if you don't like westerns this one could be a good one to start with yeah, and I'm not a Western. I think guy, it would be so a great one. Highly recommend yeah. for me as well. If you want to have a good time with a be- movie, because it's because it's modern enough and you recognize the faces. Sam Elliott's voice never gets. Oh my god! Tiring. Do you think he just talks it's to himself best. at night, like before he goes to bed? He's just like, "I'm Sam Elliott." That's what I would do. I bet he does, and he just goes Firestone. Then Morgan Freeman shows. I was like, "I'm Morgan Freeman." <laughs> Anyways, that was The River Wild, Say Anything, and Tombstone. Honestly, great week. Uh, great movies. Glad uh, the, all three films that you had a great time with. So, Speaking of great movies, uh, should we just go into my picks for next week? 
Well, I, yeah, I'd like to bring that up. We, uh, we do. This is the time where we are going to announce our new picks. And if you want to help decide what films we are going to watch for the next episode of Those Movie Dudes, you can vote in our Instagram stories uh, right now. If you're listening on the weekend, you can go and check. You can vote and help decide. So, yeah, John, what are your picks for the people to vote on? Yeah, so I'm going to go with a Tim Burton classic. No, it's not Edward Scissorhands. No, it is not Beetlejuice. It is the 1985 film Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> I, <can't wait. laughs> I see you, you can't see me. Alright, I hope this fucking wins, but it's going against a film that I have chosen before. I do own this on Blu-ray. Again, I don't think I have it in Florida with me, which I'm stupid. I should have just brought all my movies, but it is 1999's Galaxy Quest with Alan oh, Rickman, Sigourney Weaver, and Tim Allen. So, take your pick. I'll watch either of oh, them. God. I'll probably watch them both. I don't care. <laughs> Looking forward to those. <laughs> Alrighty, yeah, we got a little oh, silly goodness. comedy for for John's picks. You guys can go and vote which one we watch. I've heard of both of them. I've you know wanted to see both, so I'm down to down to check one of those out. Nate, what films are we gonna be watching for you this week? What, what's the poll? About to uh, rain on John's comedy parade here. Um, it's 1921, cup- the black and white silent film. No, one of them's black and white. Fuck. Um. <laughs> Nebraska with Bruce it, it, uh-huh. it's called the the divorced uh, couple. Are you fuck? No, it's not. <laughs> it's okay. not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? Um, me? Was perfect. <laughs> Directed by Nate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's actually uh, the 1951 uh, Billy Wilder film uh, called Ace in the Hole. <gasps> Is it about poker? Um, stars Kurt. No, it stars Kurt Russell. It's about. Uh, a man who gets uh, trapped in huh? Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, you said Kirk. You said Russell. Kurt Russell. That's what I said. Oh, did I? Yeah. Uh, okay. okay, Kirk Douglas. <laughs> but uh, oh, well. yeah, he's like a news reporter and whatnot. But that's going up against a film that one of our followers uh, kind of brought up in a conversation mm-hmm. with oh, one of wow. us on Instagram. Interesting. Um, and it is the 1985. Akira Kurosawa film mm-hmm. called Ron. Yeah, I Weasley? actually asked um, him. Yeah, this was um, movie thon. Keep going. It might have no. Um, I know it's it's highly. What is Ron, Nate? Explain Ron to me. What is this film? Ron is a it's a shake it's an adaptation on Shakespeare's is it King Lear? I think that's the story. Um, but it, it's a lot about a king uh, passing down the kingdom to his kids or something like that, and just kind of seeing feuds happen between clans and whatnot. Um, it's medieval Japan. It was so it's um, okay. higher ratings, but it's the guy well, user wow. that posted it. He posted like movies yes. and weed nugs and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> All right, but yeah, I commented on that post. I was like, "Is it nice. good? I want to watch more." Yeah, that's sweet cool damn dang yeah no for sure um it's supposed to be one of kurosawa's uh end of his career masterpieces it's in color it's on it was nominated for best foreign picture at the academy awards so it definitely has a lot of hype and i'm excited for either one of the films two very solid picks so far yeah my my picks are going to be kind of wild and random uh as usual but you know the two films that i do want to see and check out at some point uh the first film uh they're both actually previous podcast losers these uh have won sorry these have lost 
uh, previous polls before. First one is Melancholia. It's a Lars von Trier film uh, with Kristen Dunst, Alexander Skarsgård, and some other actors. Uh, it's kind of got like a sci-fi you know, twist to the film, but I've heard it's pretty interesting, and I kind of want to watch more of his films because he's a very mad director. He's ridiculous and crazy, but I want to see more of his stuff. And the other film is a movie that I've wanted to see for like 10 years now. I've heard it's great. It's an Oscar winner. It's called Sling Blade. Billy Bob Thornton, he wrote, directed, and starred in it. He won an Academy Award for Best Screenplay for it. And I've heard it's great. So it's on HBO Max. Have you guys ever seen... Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, those are great picks, Spencer, by the way. I just wanted to give you a little bit of recognition there. Oh, okay. uh, what's Eating Gilbert Grape or whatever? Yes, I have seen that. That's an amazing That's movie. I need to see that, dude. Oh, man. Maybe Collector's Corner. an more. amazing movie. Those are our picks. You can go and vote in our stories right now on Instagram. Um, but... You know, we still have some other shows as well. Uh, I think we have a show coming out on Monday, but it's a little different <gasps> this week. Why don't you tell them about show. that, John? Oh, yeah. I forgot we we're doing something different. But yeah, uh, come back to Mainstream Boys on Monday. Uh, it is definitely going to be a little bit something unconventional. But this week, we are going to be talking about our top films of 2020. And one stinker, maybe some honorable mentions in there. But uh, yeah, we're finally just going to put 2020 behind us and talk about our favorite films of the year. Very unconventional year, but... Looking forward to having Nate on a Mainstream Boys episode. Uh, we do another awesome. show, Nate. What would that... What, what, what? Um, every uh, Wednesday, we do a little thing called Collector's Corner, where we do a deep dive into our physical media collections. What? And episode 12 is coming up, and it is a Mainstream Boy episode. Holy shit. And he chose... He chose Last Action Hero, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, um, on Blu-ray. So we will be talking about that. Come give us a listen. Uh, hope you all enjoy and stay physical. Holy moly, dude. I'm looking forward to that. I haven't seen that movie since I was probably maybe 10 years old. So I remember little to nothing about it. But yeah, I don't know where Spencer is, I'm, but yeah. I'm going to do my send off and maybe he can just cut it out and do his. But thanks so much for watching, guys. This has been the TMD, those movie dudes podcast, where we talk about three movies that we've never seen before on a bi-weekly basis but uh look forward to seeing you guys uh two saturdays from now make sure to go to instagram oh, at those movie dudes and follow us and also go to apple Podcasts or whatever your preferred podcast platform is leave us a review or tell a friend or something of that nature because we want to get more viewers we want to get people who enjoy listening to our conversations if you don't like us that's okay you know don't listen but that's thanks again appreciate people. the listeners yeah <laughs> hi spencer Hello. Uh, yeah, thanks, John. That's all for me. Toodles. Oh, okay. Toodles, guys. See you in two weeks. Bye. Fuck. <laughs> I hate myself, dude. God, that bye. bye. Isn't that so <laughs> annoying? Oh, Jesus. Um, Just stop going to Starbucks. Okay. I-